Truth Plus Media. You said I'm not going to be surprised by anything that Dwayne Wade has done. You can say the same thing for Ron Artest. I mean, defensively, he's a monster. We all know that. But offensively, he's here putting on a show again. Watch Reggie Miller. He got around a pick. Here's a three. Got it! Jermaine O'Neal may not yet be the best player in the NBA, but he's playing like the best in the league right now. Eight straight double-doubles have led the Pacers to five straight wins. Number seven looks to erase some bad memories against Orlando. Four on the shot clock. I don't know if Phillips knows that. He lost the handle. Tinsley, Reggie Miller, and it's blocked again. What a block. The year was 2004, and the Indiana Pacers were the best team in the NBA. They had a funky collection of players centered around Ron Artest and Jermaine O'Neal, and they fueled the Pacers to a franchise-best 61 wins. This group is most known for starring in the infamous Malice at the Palace, but what's forgotten about this group is that they were destined for championships. This is Forgotten Seasons, a show that sheds light on the underappreciated players, teams, and moments in NBA history. I'm Dylan Dreyfus, and on this episode, we're talking to Meta Sandiford Artest, formerly known as Ron Artest, a champion, all-star, and one of the best defenders in NBA history. We're going back to 2003 to relive this Pacers historic season. There's a ton of history from this year. We've got Defensive Player of the Year Ron Artest, MVP candidate Jermaine O'Neal, head honcho Larry Bird, and a lot more. I'm Dylan Dreyfus. This is Forgotten Seasons. The story of the 2004 Pacers with Meta Sandiford Artest starts now. All right, welcome everybody. We have Meta Sandiford Artest here, a very special guest, an earlier an early follower of Forgotten Seasons. Meta, thank you for joining. How are you doing? Absolutely, everything's good. Everything's good, man. I see you guys doing great things. Well, we're happy to uh, happy to have you here, and, and even more excited to get into that Pacers squad. On my Instagram, as I sort of ask, you know, my followers, the the teams that they really like and think are forgotten, this one is always at at the center of attention. People love you. They love Jermaine. They love Reggie. Um, so I guess just to give a little bit of context of this season. So this season, you guys won 61 games, the most in Pacers franchise history, a 13 win improvement from the year before. So I sort of want to do a breakdown of how this roster came about. So first, starting with you, right, you get traded from Chicago in 2002. uh, And then the other half of the the primary duo is Jermaine O'Neal, who gets traded in 2000. Um, I'm curious as to like, you know, this season, how you guys were able to improve this much uh, and what changed? Because you had the same core sort of in 2002, 2003, first round exits. Um, Obviously, this year you have Larry Bird coming back into the picture as the executive one of his first moves, which I always thought was pretty funny, is getting rid of Isaiah Thomas and instilling Rick Carlisle as the coach. Um, so in your mind, like this year, right, 13-win improvement, what changes to really change you guys from a middle-of-the-pack team to one of the best teams, maybe the best team in the league? I just think we just we was growing. I mean, Jermaine was 24 years old. I was 23. Um, Al Harrington just got moved uh, which was kind of, we got Steve Jackson. So obviously that was a big pickup. Um, the year before that, I mean, we was rolling. And then uh, we came back. I mean, we was in the gym in the summertime working hard. Um, I mean, my uh, that, that year actually, 
I mean, I was only averaging 18 points total that year, but my defense was really good. I spent a lot of energy on defense. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think I could have maybe averaged 20 plus if I wasn't playing so much defense. Um, but, you know, it was um, everybody sacrificed. Everybody was extremely smart. Practices was really intense. You know, guys was working extremely hard in practice. Um, you know, like guys like Jeff Forster was, you know, he he, he brought it in practice every single day. Um, and, you know, trying to rebound against him, different things like that. You know, uh, it, it was really difficult trying to score against him. He, Jeff Foster never, ever let you get um, an open layup. You know, um, <laughs> you, you go to the basket against Jeff, Jeff Foster in practice, I mean, you either got to take it or you're going to have to be ready to fight, you know, because, mm -hmm. you know, he was hammering you and he did it to everyone. Um, then you had like Fred Jones came in uh, that year and he, he played well. Fred Jones, a really good defender in practice, and he was starting to play better. Um, Jamal Tinsley was, Jamal Tinsley was an amazing point guard. Mm -hmm. And we had an amazing uh, second guard. We had three great guards in um, that year. We had uh, Jameson Brewer and we had uh, Anthony Johnson. And Kenny and Anderson, Anderson was it, yeah. And Anthony Johnson was really, really impressive. He was, um, he was just really, really good. And he, he sacrificed a lot. He, he was better than what people uh, probably saw of him. You know, he was, he was really good. He could shoot that mid-range. He could bring the ball up the floor. He could attack. He could, he could jump. He could defend. You know, um, so when you add all that together, you know, um, sometimes, you know, you might get the, the two best players getting most of the shine. But, you know, uh, we had a squad. If you take any one of those guys away from that team, you know, maybe we don't win 61 games. Maybe we win 60. You take another one, maybe we win 58. You take another one, maybe we win 50. You know, it was like, you know, those guys, uh, you know, they, they brung it every day. No, yeah, that, that's great to hear. I think it, it 100% was a, a very complete team. One guy that you didn't mention there, which who I'm curious, you know, his role in the team was Reggie Miller. Right. Obviously, you know, Mr. Pacer in the 90s. Uh, he's older at this point, I think like 37, 38 years old, but he's still really good. He's still really effective. Yeah, still really good. Um, speak a little bit about, um, you know, Reggie as the player, but also what was Reggie like sort of in the locker room? Was he the voice of the team, the leader? Uh, shed a little light onto, the, onto him. Yeah, Reggie, Reggie was a... Uh... I think Jermaine and Reggie co-led mm -hmm. those teams. Um, I might have been like a spiritual, I don't know, leader or something like that, emotional, something. Um, but Reggie and Jermaine co-led those teams. Um, and you know, Reggie is more voice of reason and focus and confidence. You just build your confidence up. <laughs> Reggie just builds your confidence up, man. He just make you feel like you're better than what you are. And then, um, and Jermaine was a guy who was a, a seasoned leader. He was a natural born leader. Uh, very, very tough. A winner, brung it in practice. So sometimes Jermaine was hurt sometimes in practice. Um, so, you know, he was tall and, you know, so, you know, the bigger guys normally, you know, they, they get hurt at times. Um, but in practice, he would bring it. Um, he was an extreme hard worker and in the weight room, he would bring it. Uh, so with that, you know, that combination was just lethal.
Yeah, no, I think Jermaine is definitely one of the forgotten legends of the 2000s. Forgotten legend, um, forgotten legend. I mean, I think a, a modern big man in a way too, he had that, that mid-range jumper. And if he was playing now, uh, I feel like he'd probably move out to the three-point line pretty easily if he had that that. I, I don't know. I don't know if Jermaine moves out to the three-point line, but I just think he plays very well in this era. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's he's mobile. He can block shots. He could defend, and he can shoot. He can pass. He can handle. <laughs> he, he, he Jermaine had a handle. Jermaine had a handle. Um, he's smooth. He's he's yeah. like a real smooth big man. Coordinates. Yes. Yeah, very very smooth. And then so. What I'm also curious about is the transition going from Isaiah Thomas as the coach to Rick Carlisle. Um, can you sort of compare a little bit like what it was like playing for Isaiah and then how sort of Rick came in because, you know, Rick's still in the league, hopefully about to, to win a first round playoff series. Uh, what was the transition like for you going from one coach to the other and how did their styles sort of differ? They were a little different. You know, Isaiah been through more than coach Carlisle in terms of a player. So, Isaiah led the show a little more. Um, Isaiah was, when Isaiah coached, he was coaching more of a feel of the game. Um, like a player, almost. Um, definitely like a player. And we were, we were good. We were winning. Isaiah had great methods. Um, when Rick Carlisle was coaching, he definitely uh, leaned on his staff a lot. Uh, and he really focused on the X and the O's, you know, uh, the fundamentals, mm -hmm. which is really important. X and O's are so important. Um, and he was really, really good at that. And he's really good at not only doing X and O's as a buzzword, but doing X and O's in a way where when he's running a play, if you do exactly what you need to do, everyone will be successful. The team is going to win. Uh, obviously, the top two players, the top three players, are gonna, they're going to score. But you'll win. You know, um, it's a, it was a little bit difficult playing um, under X and O's, like every possession. That, that I, I found that hard. Um, uh, but we won. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and, and, and uh, Rick is really good at identifying, you know, uh, skill levels of players and putting them in position to be successful. You know, he liked me on, uh, he, he liked me on the um, right block. Um, and then he also liked me coming off uh, Iverson cut mm -hmm. across the to, free throw line. To the right or the left. Was, yeah, oh. right to left. And I didn't like that play because it was just like, I, I wasn't used to it, but he saw that it was going to work. And I, I hated doing that sometimes, but I was averaging 18, then my average went up. So he was putting me in position and he was like moving the offense, the defense. He was moving the defense in a way where he could be successful. So, I mean, a lot of a lot of little tricks that Rick Carlisle got that I really like. Um, and I um, also, uh, I, I use some of his uh, strategies when I'm coaching. Nice, nice. And then another guy that came back into the picture this year, another legend is Larry Bird. Um, what was your relationship like with him and what, like, was he very present with the team in practices and in games or did he sort of like do his own thing up top? Larry was, Larry was present, um, <laughs> especially if you leaned on him, if you asked him some questions, like I was like, I didn't care. I'm, I was in school and I always like raising my hand. So I was just like, Larry, uh, 
I would love for you to teach me some stuff. And he used to come down every day. Um, yeah, um, I kind of, yeah, he used to come down every day um, and practice with me. Um, at, at least at least 80% of the time I was in the gym in the summertime. I got to say 80% of the time, Larry Bird was in the gym. And he's the reason why him and Chuck Person um, together, they, they, they're the reasons why, you know, my, my average went up, my, you know, individually, those guys are the reasons why I got better. At the time, I thought it was just me. <laughs> but I look back at it, you know, it was those guys, you know, because after I left those guys, I was still playing well, but it was most of the things that they taught me. You know what I'm saying? Most of the things that they taught me. If I, if I, if I would have stayed with Indiana, man, I would have been averaging a lot of points, a lot of points. Is there one thing that you can remember now? Just like, one, it doesn't have to be like the, the best example, but one example of something that Larry taught you that you sort of carried uh, with you for the rest of your career? Man, um, well, um, we didn't spend a lot of like personal lunch time, but on the court, he taught me how to attack. Um, he taught me how to attack the basket and he taught me how to um, be a consistent shooter, hmm. um, you know, within one year. So a mix, a mix of him and Chuck Person, but speaking about, you know, Bird, he, you know, his, 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 his methods on attacking the basket is really, to me, second to none. Um, as you can see, Larry Bird wasn't the most athletic or he wasn't the fastest person, but he would get buckets. Um, buckets, buckets, buckets. Buckets, buckets, buckets. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we talked a little bit about, you know, the construction of the team and the Pacers, but I sort of want to take a wide lens now and look at the league as a whole. Um, and you specifically as this year, the premier defender in the league, I'm curious uh, for you, who were some of the guys, it doesn't have to be this year exactly, but you know, in the mid two thousands uh, for you as a defender, who are the guys that you one looked forward to, to going up against the most and two, maybe the guys that gave you some trouble sometimes. On offense? Yeah, when you were on the defensive end. On the, so, I mean, um, when LeBron came into the league, I was really excited about that matchup because I knew he was going to be great. Um, and then Kobe, I didn't get a chance to see Kobe much. I, I would have RIP my brother Kobe. I would have loved to see mm -hmm. Kobe more. But I was on the East. He was on the West. Um, but I knew he was one of those guys. You know, um, then Paul Pierce, we had that little rivalry with Boston and Indiana, a short-lived short rivalry. It wasn't, wasn't nothing big, but... It could have been big. Um, then we have uh, Rip Hamilton was a very good off the ball player. So although he wasn't like uh, Dwayne Wade in terms of ball in hand, he was like Dwayne Wade <laughs> in the half court. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Rip Hamilton is a bona fide Hall of Famer. And I always look forward to guarding him because he was one of the toughest guys that I had to guard. Um, I got to Iverson a little bit, not much, but that was just, he's just not my position. But mm -hmm. I always look forward to that one because anytime you're below the power forward position and you're the best player on the floor, then I was going to probably wind up <clears throat> on you. Mm -hmm. I did have to guard Iverson one time. I, I, I think I had one successful game against Iverson. Um, when he was in Philly? Was in Chicago, when he was in Philly. I think I had one successful game against him. I think he had like 17 or 13, something like that. But um, then um, we have in that, well, in that era, Jamal Mashburn was just, he, he was ex exiting his prime. So he was still good. 
Glenn Robinson was exited his prime. Still good. Bigger uh, guys. Yeah, bigger guys. They, those guys were playing well. Vashawn Leonard was was uh. exiting his prime. You know, um, it was some guys in the league that was uh, really solid players that I was, you know, I was like, wow, these guys are good. And then Latrell Sprewell, Allen Houston, those guys were exiting their prime. Mm-hmm. You know, but so for me, I mean, those are great players, you know, in 99 and 2000, 2002. So at that time, you know, I was emerging as, you know, the best wing defender. I think I was the best wing defender at that time because every other wing defender at that time, they was not averaging 20 points. I was averaging 20 and I was <laughs> locking up. So yeah, I was the best wing defender at that time. <laughs> no, yeah, it's funny you mention that. I mean, it's probably, you know, you, I'm thinking perimeter like Bruce Bowen, yeah. uh, Tayshaun like Prince, but guys. yeah, but they're, they were, they were role guys. Um, but, yeah, they, they, they were good guys. It's just that, you know, when you look, when you talk about what, what, what the things I had to do, I had to, you know, had to command double teams, I had to get buckets and I had to lock up and I, mm-hmm. and I, and I liked doing it and I did it. Right. So it's like, you did it. If I, if I would have just um, played defense, you know what I'm saying? Or yeah. just played offense and no defense. Then it would have been the other way around. Other way around. No, I feel like it's definitely once you get it, the both ways going, that's, you know, yeah, that, that reigns supreme. In your mind, I mean, you mentioned you devoted most of your effort towards the defense. Uh, what was your greatest strength as a defender? You know, whether it be the physical aspect, the, the mental aspect, what was what, what did you bring that you felt the most confident in in your defense? Um, I felt like um, fit, I was physical, you know what I'm saying? So being physical, um, I just uh, I just felt like nobody could really handle handle that. Hmm. You know, uh, I was I wasn't the fastest. I was definitely the strongest, <laughs> but I wasn't the fastest. Um, you know, I was carrying. In 2003, I was carrying uh, 250. And then after that, I was carrying 260. So that's another reason why I think I was the best defender because these guys were 225. 215, you know, it's easy to be quick when you're 215. You know, try being quick when you're 250 and 260. I can't you know, imagine. Um, so I, it, it, it's just, it, it was just impossible for me, you know, to uh, stay in front of guys that were 190 pounds or 205 pounds, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? But but I did it. Well, you did it. I mean, you were named Defensive Player of the Year. You are one of five players under the age of 25 to win it. You, Jordan, Alvin Robertson, Dwight, and Kawhi. So rare company, rare company for you. So we did a little bit about the, the – uh, around the league. Now I just wanted to get into the season. You guys win 61 games, the number three defense in the league, the number one seed. Uh, and then we sort of head into the playoffs. How is the messaging different this year or, or is it different compared to the previous two years when you guys were maybe coming in as a six or a five seed? Uh, what is the messaging going into the playoffs and who is leading that, that messaging? Well, you know, I think Jermaine, Jermaine was definitely the leader. You know, I, I, I was like a big energy guy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But but energy guy that got buckets, not like I guess an energy guy who just got energy. <laughs> but I was a big energy guy, so in practice, like I, I wanted to be the hardest worker, and that's what I dedicated my practices to. Um, Jermaine was like the vocal leader. Reggie was the the veteran. Just watch Reggie. You know, pay attention 
to what Reggie's doing. Reg, Reggie kind of like Kobe in a sense. Um, a guy that's going to show and prove, you know, very, very similar to Kobe. You know, Derek Fisher was the, um, the vocal leader. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, with that being said, um, yeah, that, that's, that's how we was going into the playoffs. We just, we, we, was, we wanted to win the title, no question about it, but we never was there. We never experienced it. So all we focused on was winning one game at a time. That's what Jermaine would say. And Jermaine actually led us to that. That, that year, because Jermaine said, Jermaine said, let's win three out of, never never lose three in a row, and do not lose two in a row, but never ever lose three in a row. If you lose three in a row, that's not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. And then he wanted to win, like, he wanted to win three out of four and three out of every five games or three out of every four games. And we were just doing that. And, we was, and Jermaine actually came up with that strategy to keep things focused. Jermaine is, Jermaine is a really impressive guy. Like, you know, um, you know, to, to this day, I still look up. I still look up to him because he always was there. I, I remember him being just such a an amazing leader. Um, I could talk about him all day, but I think I think he was definitely the guy. I mean, to be the guy in a locker room in a franchise with Reggie Miller and Larry Bird, you know that that definitely speaks volume. So, sort of heading into the playoffs, you guys get the Celtics in the first round. They had knocked you out, I believe, the previous two years. You said that there was a little bit of rivalry there. Um, you actually lock up Paul Pierce. He shoots uh, 34% from the field. Paul Pierce is another guy, bigger guy, not the quickest, not you know the strongest, but sort of a unique game, herky-jerky. What's the mindset like for you when you're matching up across from Paul Pierce? What are you trying to force him to do? What can you not let him do? Well, I think, you know, I think Paul, Paul Pierce probably caught, I, I caught Paul Pierce off guard the same way LeBron caught me off guard, meaning how, how are you going to run into a guy that's 250, 255, playing a small forward position that's strong like a center and pretty quick? And like LeBron came into the league, like how do you play against a guy 260 who is fast and can jump and everything? Like, how do you prepare for that unless you're doing it preparing since you was 12? So, you know, I think, well, Paul, I just caught him off guard as a player. I don't think he ever seen a defender. He was always the bigger guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then to go up against me, he had to actually, uh, you had to be strong. Um, unless you was Rip Hamilton and just use your speed. You know, um, if, you, if you wasn't fast like Rip, then you had to go to your strengths, which were which were my strengths. So I think, you know, that's where Paul and I kind of clashed at. And um, when you look at Paul, I think his game evolved. I think he got better. Um, Cause over, and then after I would play against Paul, uh, you know, after that season, I, I saw that he was getting better. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw he must've been doing something in the gym, you know, uh, so Paul's one of those guys where it probably came really easy to him, you know, Hall of Famer, big time shot maker, you know, um, but he was one of those guys where, you know, it's some guys that are great and there's some guys that want to be great. I was one of the guys that wanted to be great. So they, these guys were on my target list versus if you're already at the top, you, you know, you got other things at your target list. I'm not on your list, but little mm-hmm. do you know, like you're on my list. You know, <laughs> so I was um, hunting everyone uh i was hunting everyone at that time even guys even guys that wasn't that good i was hunting everyone because i was like these guys are a potential threat 
So you can't let guys him. that wasn't that good. I'll just I'll just smash him. <laughs> guys that was like coming in the bench as in like you know as a twelfth man, I'm crushing them. <laughs> I can see why why Kobe wanted you on his team with that mindset. You can't even can't even let them get a little bit of light, no, man. Nothing. No, no light. So Celtic series 4-0 sweep, no problems there. You shut down Paul Pierce. Then you get into a series in the conference semifinals versus a very interesting team. I think people forget about the Dwayne Wade and Lamar Odom pairing. Uh, and that was a little bit harder for you guys than the Celtic series. It ends up going six, but you guys win. Uh, what do you remember from that series going up against uh, a rookie, Dwayne Wade, who has a really, really good series? Uh, Lamar Odom, uh, Eddie Jones, and Karan Butler. What do, you, what do you remember from that series? Well, I remember guarding Karan and guarding Dwayne. And, like, which one you going to go to, man? Because, I mean, they were, they were four-year seniors. Karan might have been a one-year, one-and-done guy. I'm not sure. Dwayne mm-hmm. was a four-year senior, so he was seasoned. Mm-hmm. You know, those guys like Dwayne Wade and – Tim Duncan, that you know, you you can't be fooled by their rookie season because those guys are coming in the NBA ready. And I knew that. Um, Dwayne, I knew he was going to be tough, and I had to. I was trying to actually get rid of him early because I knew eventually he was going to be a problem. Mm. Um, so you know, with Dwayne, I mean, he he was playing well, you know, and I was real physical with him. But then most of the time, I was on, um, I was on. Uh, Karan also it, it was it was back and forth mm-hmm. um Dwayne did say that was his wake-up call to the league and you know that made me feel good because I mean he didn't mention our names but you know it was uh it was it was, it was a guy there <laughs> that was uh on him <laughs> well he's he's seasoned but in college you're, you're not running into 260 on the wing guarding you that's for sure um <laughs> different, very different. Yeah. So then you take care of them in six and then the showdown happens. You know, you play Detroit. Um, one of just maybe in NBA history, the most like grind out series ever scores in the sixties, scores in the seventies. I was rewatching some of those games. It'd be like four to three with uh, seven minutes into the game. Just, just yeah. like a, a grind. Yes. Um, what I'm interested there is the, the Pistons construction is unique, right? They're not reliant on one player. Yes. They have rip, He's their primary go-to score. Um, but, you know, you as a defender, you can take him out, and then you got Chauncey, you got Rashid to worry about. Um, so what is your guys' sort of mindset going into to that series? How are you trying to attack them? You guys sort of play in a similar way. Your stats during the year were similar. Talk me through that, the preparation going against those guys in Detroit. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was basically don't make a mistake. <laughs> that was the main thing because um, – they were going to slow the ball up. Then the problem with Detroit, not only are they slowing the ball up, they had Lindsey. If they don't have Lindsey Hunter, we win. I promise you. Mm-hmm. I, I please somebody get rid of Lindsey Hunter. Get rid of this guy. <laughs> this guy is the most one of the most amazing defenders that I've seen. And then Mike James also. These two guys, they 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 got us in our offense with 13 seconds or 15 seconds, you mm-hmm. know, because they were just pest. And uh, the, the whole team, but those two guys stand out. They they slowed the game down for us, you know, um, and it was really hard. It was really difficult. And then you got, obviously, you got Ben Wallace in the back. Um, but those guys, you know, you, you can't really get a good shot because by the time you get over, then you're rushing. But we're trying to get the ball to Jermaine, who was our go-to guy, but we only we don't have much time. 
you know, versus getting the ball to Jermaine if it's 18 seconds, you know, right. to work. And if he don't have it, we can swing, swing. I wasn't a not, I wasn't a lights out shooter at that time, so they could they could pack in the floor, you know. And then I mean, to our credit, we didn't have a lot of lights out shooters. And to Carlisle's credit, I don't even know how he pulled that off. Reggie was our only lights out shooter. You know yeah, what I'm I mean, was our only, I mean, we started Jermaine, who was a mid range guy and a post player. Jeff Foster, who was a rebounder, uh, finisher. Jamal Tinsley, who was a point guard, um, not a not a lights out shooter. Metal World Peace, who wasn't a lights out shooter, and Reggie Reggie Miller, who was a lights out shooter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, Rick Carlisle is really impressive. Don't know. So what he was doing was actually right because if that team was speeding up the pace and just started shooting, maybe we miss, we miss, we go back and forth, you know, and then and then. Um, Detroit had lights out shooters, Chauncey Billups, um, uh, Rip Hamilton, Tayshawn, um, Rashid. Tayshawn wasn't lights out, but Rashid was lights out. So if you make a mistake against those guys, and those guys get on a break, and, they, and then they could they could also fast break. Those mm-hmm. guys could fast break, but they couldn't fast break against us because our defense was set. You know, we we getting back on defense and we locking up. So you can't really you can't just play freely against us because I'm gonna put you in a tough situation. Jermaine gonna put you in a tough situation. So it was just like, it was like, it was like a mirror image. It was, it was really crazy. Anybody could have won that series, um, but they you, were more ready than us. Was there a moment in the series that you feel like flipped it where if it went differently, the the series might've flipped because you have the Tayshaun block on Reggie in game two, which was big. That wasn't the series. People say that, but I mean, that was only one game. You know what I'm saying? That, that didn't make the series. You know, uh, I think, um, the game six made the series. <laughs> that was the one, man. That was the game we needed to win because we was going back home to Indiana. You know, we was going back home to Indiana. And then, you know, we gave – I mean, you know, if we would have won that game and obviously game five, that was a big game for us. But we still could have beat them because we wasn't affected by being on the road. You know what I'm saying? We wasn't affected by being on the road. So, hmm. Yeah. And then I read that you were dealing with migraines that series. Is that something that you dealt with your whole career or was that's it just true? That was no. false media. False. I don't know where they got that from, migraines. I was I excited to ask you that. What are people talking about? Like, where, where do you get a migraine from 20 years later? <laughs> that's weird. I had no migraine. Weird. Well, the series happens. You guys fall in six. Um, you know, I think everyone, when they think of you in Detroit, obviously they're going to think of the, the brawl. But is that sort of where the the rivalry stemmed? Was it that series, or or did it go back further than that? You know, the battles there. Um, the rivalry with us in Detroit. I think it was just that. Well, honestly, the rivalry was really. It, it was a couple things. It was me, Ben, and and Jermaine. We all had a rival because Jermaine won a Defensive Player of the Year. Also, well, he and got honestly, M- he got he close should- to MVP. Huh? And he should have got MVP. I don't know how Jermaine didn't get MVP. I love Garnett. That's my guy. Like, I'm just saying that yeah, we were we had 61 wins. Like Jermaine was the best player on the team. How was Jermaine not MVP? You know what I'm saying? We and we was a and we was an, an improved team. Mm-hmm. If you're saying wins. not MVP because maybe metal, maybe Ron Artest is like playing well. Then give Ron Artest the MVP. I finished sixth in MVP voting. I think Jermaine finished second. Third, I think it was Garnett and Duncan were two, and then Jermaine. Yeah, and then it's, Jermaine was third. I, I I just don't get it because you know we, you know I mean 
we had 61 wins. Yo, that's a lot of wins. We swept the Celtics in the first round. So then we, and then usually, you know, then they announced, I think they announced that MVP. Um, they might've announced it in the, going into the semifinals. Mm-hmm. I don't know when they announced it, but I'm just like, you know, I, I love KG, you know, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just making an argument for my teammate. Nah, it's valid. I don't know how that slipped. They, nobody could guard him. He was the best player on, and we, we was clearly the best team. You had the Lakers in that, that year. The Lakers were Kobe and Shaq. Gary um, Payton and Gary, Malone. Everybody was there and Jermaine was the one. Jermaine was the guy. Like how do, how, how was that possible? You know, how is that possible? And I remember like, shit, I got defensive player of the year and then Jermaine don't got no award. I'm like, this is crazy, yo. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is just unreal. I mean, cause I got one of the most prestigious awards that year and then Jermaine didn't get anything. How is that even possible? So anyway, that always stuck with, that always like stuck with me. Um, and we were a young team. It's not like, it's not like Jermaine was, it's not like Jermaine had a bunch of veterans. Not sure, because KG, KG did have veterans. He had Cassell, he had Sprewell. Um, so. <laughs> how, how is Jermaine not MVP? MVP is so hard to get. Kobe got one. And this is not going at Garnett, because I, I love Garnett. Like, this has nothing to do with Garnett. This has to do with who picked, you know, the, you know, who picked. That's it. You know, and it was all politics. And they, these people deprive people of what they earned and deserved. Um, but, you know. It is what it is. It is what it is. And I think it's interesting. You know, that's why, you know, forgotten seasons, really, it's like just because a player didn't win the MVP, just because a team didn't win the title doesn't mean they can't be celebrated. Um, but I hear you on that. I think it is he, he, he has a strong case there. Um, so then, you know, that's sort of the season, right? 2003, 2004, 61 wins. Um, you know, what happens the next season happens. Um I think it's a shame that that's sort of the image that people think of when they, you know, see the the faces of the stars of this team. Um, yeah, but even just, yeah, but even just focusing on this year, like, you know, what, what one or two memories do you have from the season that, that stick with you the most that when you think back on it, you know, you remember the, the most fondly. Man, I, I mean, I mean, I, it was uh, overwhelming at that time because I knew I wanted to be the best ever. That's how I, that's how I think about my life. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very competitive as people know. Um, I was probably one of the most, I don't know who was more competitive than me when I was in my prime. Uh, maybe Kobe, I don't know. Um, he was more talented. There's definitely more talented players. I mean, I'm just saying more competitive, you know. Uh, and at that time, I was ranked, I got, I was 13 more NBA. No one expected that, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, the year that I got suspended. I mean, what, what do you think I would have, what, what, what award do you think I would have got that year? I was asking you. 0405? Yeah, the year I got suspended. I mean, you were averaging, I looked like 24 and a half. It was, it was like seven, eight, yeah, seven games. I mean, I mean, but you, I think you're, you're all NBA for sure. You know, you're what team? It's tough, man. First team all NBA is so hard to crack, even today. You have because, like, today, for example, like, there's three or four guys that if they just produce at the same level they do, they're gonna get it right. It's you know, this year, like Curry, uh, Jokic, Luka. 
I think second team, I think second team for sure. But if that if that trajectory continues, right, you're averaging, you know, low to mid 20s. 22, you guys, the one seed again. I think second team. First team. What about the defense? I mean, who Wallace won that year again? Wallace won that year again. I won it the prior year. But like, I don't even see like how at that point. It's like you saying, like, they're depriving you. Like, how do you even decide between you and Ben? Like, it's, 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 it's a coin flip. I don't know. I think um, – It's a toss-up. You know. It's a toss-up. I mean, maybe he maybe he still wins it, but I wasn't – I didn't play, right? So, yeah, you know, and I'm the reigning defensive player of the year. Um, so, then that year so – that's, so, that's like – let's just say a second – let's say a first-team all-defense and no defensive mm-hmm. player of the year at worst. All-star, probably got to say all-star, right? All-star, all-star yeah, yeah. Probably yeah. all-star, right? <laughs> um, so – um, you know, so that that's that's what it was. You know, that's what it was. And then the next year, I come back, and then I um, request a trade before All Star break. So I didn't even get a chance to do anything else. Um, you know, but that, that 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 team was an amazing team. You know, we definitely, uh, I'm definitely honored that we all forgotten seasons because um, I'm I'm happy that sometimes I'll speak to Jermaine and Jermaine will say something like, "You know, we was the best team in the league." Stack Stack Jack and say something like, "You know, we we, we should have won a ring." And I'm like, wow, these guys still believe that because I feel that way. Um, and I'm happy these guys feel that way. Um, but obviously, you know, I, I, I actually wish the, the starting five of Detroit makes the Hall of Fame because I, I, I truly believe they deserve it. I mean, when you look at what that team did, they beat a Hall of Famers. When you look at what these other guys do, these other champions, they win and that's great. But, you know, but when you look at Rip Hamilton, when you look at Chauncey Billups, um, Ben Wallace, and Rasheed Wallace, Tayshawn Prince, but he was big on that team. Maybe Tayshawn Prince don't go to the Hall of Fame. But role player Hall of Fame. We 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 got to make a we got to make a new Hall of Fame. The role player Hall of Fame. He's in there. He's a you know what I'm saying. Tayshawn Prince was huge. He was huge. You know what I'm saying. Um, I feel like that whole starting five. They should be in the Hall of Fame, and Tayshawn Prince should be should be allowed. Because if they don't have Tayshawn, they have no chance against me. I mean, they had Carlos Williamson, so Carlos was big. Actually, Carlos was big, but Carlos was still not as mobile. And I can play off Carlos a little bit. Carlos was a hell of a player, actually. I love playing with Carlos. I played with him at the Kings. Man, I I really love Carlos Williamson. Um, but I really hope that I, I hope that whole team. Well, Ben Wallace has gotten into the Hall of Fame, so. Now is, he the, is he the first? Has Chauncey gotten in yet, or he's no, got no? He so, so Ben's I mean, he's the first four-time defensive player of the year. I know. I mean, people <laughs> I hear today that they use him as a, an example for like, oh, everyone gets in the Hall of Fame these days. But like, no, no, you know, he's there's no there's nobody else that has a resume like ben him. Wallace is was is a top hundred and fifty player in the NBA history. Just because, see, these guys think because you can score that, you know, you, you're you a good player. No, what makes you a good player, you win. Bill Russell is the best player of all times. When you play in the NBA season, everybody's playing for the title. Emotions get high in the playoffs, right? Guys is trying to get the eighth seed. They're not trying to get the eighth seed, you know, so they could go to Disneyland. Guys <laughs> trying to get to the eighth seed. So they can be in the playoffs. And then people are trying to get the first seed so they can win to the championship. Guys is not getting to the finals and saying, oh, we're here. I am so happy. Mom, dad. Guys is trying to win the title. And Bill Russell, he got 11 of them. 
right? That's a player. And he was the best player on the team. And Ben Wallace got one of them with four defensive player of the years. So he's better than offensive players by, by a landslide. <laughs> Who do you think, who's in your mind the best defender in the league now? I know you're watching it. I'm not watching defenders. I'm just hearing about Ben Simmons a lot. And Philly got two really good defenders, which I heard. Tybal. You, you got to watch, you got to watch the young kid, Tybal. He's I like, that's what everybody keep telling me. Everybody keep telling me, yo, you got to watch this kid. Um, I heard he's an amazing defender. So I'm, go I'm going off that, what my brother's telling me. My brother told me he reminds me of me on defense. Um, so those two guys stand out. Uh, obviously, Marcus Smart is always going to stand out. He's getting a little older, but he's still – he's not in his prime yet. Um, so he's going to always stand out. Um, Anthony Davis stands out to me. Um, uh, LeBron stands out to me a little bit too. Can you look at LeBron? He's 36 years old, and he moves his feet very well. He's a good mm -hmm. defender. He's he, he's he's one. He's he's a good defender. Um, he's not doing it every possession, <laughs> right? But when he wants to, he does it. Um, not one of the top defenders. Um, um, Rudy, obviously, Rudy is a great defender. But for me, with Rudy, like obviously, I'm not denying that he's one of the best in the league. But in my mind, in today's league, like he can't guard the perimeter, and when 75% of the game, maybe more, is played in the perimeter. I would just like to see that reward go to somebody like a Simmons, like a Draymond Green, who can go out inside and outside, because that's so important. You see Rudy in these playoffs, like, they're running a pick and roll. He's playing drop coverage. Like, that's a weakness. So, I, I don't know. He's about to be – they say he's going to win it again. So, he's approaching, like, Big Ben as, you know, three, three four-time player, defensive player of the years. But, you know, I don't want to – throw any disrespect on his name but <laughs> I think in today's league when it's such a outside game you got to reward the player that can go inside and outside like somebody you know like you back in the day I mean yeah I mean you know just say I think people they, they want I think they had the best record in the league too the jazz uh, yeah one yeah I th yeah so, I think so you know he's definitely the this is definitely a yeah he deserves it Maybe the other years, but it's hard. I remember when I wanted to get the fifth player of the year, I was going up against Tim Duncan, Garnett, my own teammate Jermaine O'Neal, Ben Wallace. That I, I, I got up in there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's really tough. And with Ben Simmons, I think Ben could get it if he stays with it, stays focused this summer. Um, you know, keep playing how he's playing. You know, potentially both those guys could be could, could, could go back and forth. Especially because um, they'll be they, they should be winning for the next couple of years the Sixers, no so, doubt. Yeah, yeah. you you got to reward winning. Um, well, we only got like ten or so minutes left. I want to get into some mailbag questions. I actually on my Instagram said that I was going to be interviewing one of the players on on this team, and we got some really good good submissions from the fans. So first off, we're going to start out from Tracy McGrady fan. He said, what is one team that you wished you could have played for but didn't? Man, oh, that's brutal. <laughs> um, oh, that's brutal. Um, maybe maybe a few. The ones that come to the top of them. No, it's just brutal because I always wanted to be a Nick, so that stabs me. That just gives me anxiety. 
that's one of the I don't know I need to let that go right but that's just but you were, you were a Nick but but yeah, but, but I was a Nick it, when I was doesn't doesn't count was that was that two thousand was that two thousand twelve or thirteen that was two thousand and fourteen so they you guys didn't that wasn't even a playoff team was it no we nah. were a playoff team but we were just losing it was just like you know I I probably take the blame for that year I mean it was no I think that I wasn't as good of a leader as I should have been um, on that team, you know? Um, so I'll probably take the blame for that year. Well, I mean, when you look at the Knicks the last 10 years, there's a lot of people that you could blame it on. You are probably not at the top of that list. I yeah, can that say. season I probably am. That season definitely, we should have been in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, should have, we should, we, we, we could, I mean, we had Melo. You got Melo and we had Kmart, we had Tyson Chandler. I mean, we had Iman Shumpin. We had, I mean, we had, we had Rainford. We had a solid team. We should have been in the playoffs. There's no reason why we weren't in the playoffs. Well, it's good to see him back. I was at game two against the Hawks, the, the, the one win. So that was, that was great to see. All right. Next question uh, we got from son of Jack. He asked what was stack Jack like as a teammate? And do you have one memory that stands out that just sort of encapsulates stack Jack as the man? Stat Jack was great. He was sacrificing. He was better than what he was. Stat Jack is an ultimate sacrifice because he he did something that I did when I was in Sacramento with Bonzi Wells. So Stat Jack, I always wanted to guard the best players. And when I got the best players, I was also a really good offensive player. Stack wanted me to score. You know, so Stack said, no, I'm guarding the best defensive players every night. I said, no, 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 no. I'm guarding the best defensive. I'm guarding the best offensive players every night. Me. And Stack was like, no, I'm guarding the best offensive players every night. And then I'll be like, okay, then I'll get into the game. And I'll be like, no, nah, I got him. I'll try to make a last minute audible. And stack it like, no, no, no. And we literally, I've never been with a person where we would fight to guard the best offensive player. <laughs> yeah. And if I was guarding the best offensive player, I'm like, I'll just free you up, stack. You go go do your thing. He said, no, 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 you go do your thing. I'm like, oh fucking stack check. <laughs> it's 2000. So this is this is 2004. Was that the only year you played with him? That's the only year we played with each other. So he's trying to take he, he he's trying to take the best matchup away from the reigning defensive player of the year. Yeah, he wanted because he 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 knew he I wants could it. Score. I could score that rock. You know, it was simple. It wasn't it wasn't like amazing, but it was you know it, I was it was just simple one two two dribbles and a layup or a shot. Um. And he, and, Sacrificer, you know what I'm saying? That's who he is. And then, yeah, so that's Stack Jack for you. And everybody knows that he's a he's a team guy. <clears throat> mm. Well, Stack Jack was actually one of the first people to put me on Forgotten Season, so I'm I'm forever grateful for him. He he threw me a solid as well. All right, last last question we have from Joey Cork. He asks if you had any idea when you were playing in your prime that the three would take over the game like it has today. He said what? He asked, when you were playing, did you have any idea that the three would take over the game like it has today? Well, I kind of did. Jamison Brewer, Jamison Brewer was ahead of his time. Jamison Brewer played like this. And Jamison Brewer will always say, um, that's why when I was a coach, I'm going to hire Jamison Brewer as an assistant. In 2004, he said, this is how the game should be played. Push it. Don't slow it up. Um, He was playing with Carla at the time, and Rick was more of a assistant guy. But Jamison came in, Jamison came into the game and would get five points, five rebounds, five assists, like quick. Um, and he would say, he, he would always tell me, yo, we got to run. 
let's just get a lot of possessions. Don't worry about it. And, that's, and but he wouldn't play. Jamison was an all-star player to me. A lot of people don't know Jamison Brewer. Yeah, he didn't have a long career. This kid didn't have a long career because he he was way ahead of his time. Um, if he would have played with like a D'Antoni, he would have excelled. Mm. Um, he saw the future. Um, and, and, and I remember that to this day. I remember how he played to this day. Um, hell of a defender. Um, lightning fast and very strong. Uh, not a great shooter, but you know that nobody is early on, <laughs> mm -hmm. with the exception of Trey Young and Stephen Curry. Yeah, well, the new right. guys—it's just, it's just a whole different level. They're—they're yeah. they're coming. They're coming out of the womb, pulling up they're from half. Shooter, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. That is. Uh... That's all I got for you. Um, I, I really appreciate you hopping on. This was a lot of fun. Like I said, this this Pacers team, um, they get a lot of love, and I, I think it's great to be able to celebrate. You know, it's the best Pacers team in franchise history. You guys are still at that record books. You know, sixty-one wins. No Pacers team has done that. Um, so thank you for coming on. Um, for everyone out there, you can check out Ron's business venture xversexsports.com. Download it on the App Store. Um, increasing the connection of people playing basketball in the community. Uh, if you want to, you know, say a little bit more about that, uh, I can. Yeah, that's it. Just, um, you know, basketball players should connect with basketball players. You know, so sign up to the app. Um, invite your friends through text messaging or social media. Share the app. And basketball players should stay connected with basketball players. Unreal. Well, also, I want to give a quick shout out to, to Ron's brother. Daniel, uh, he's been a big help for me. Uh, 265 Media, they're doing great things over there. I've hopped on with them. Uh, he was a, a big supporter of my page and I'm forever grateful for that. So both our test brothers are my guys and I appreciate you. Um, be well and uh, let's go Pacers. Absolutely, man. I'm, I'm really excited for you. I remember seeing your page and I'm excited that you're not just staying stagnant, that you're going to the next level. So much success to you. Appreciate that, man. Be well. Absolutely too. Forgotten seasons with Mattis Sandiford are tests in the 2004 Pacers. I'm really glad that we could celebrate this amazing squad. I'm Dylan Dreyfus. Be sure to check out Metis app X vs X Sports on the App Store. Thank you for listening and your continued support. I truly appreciate it. You can find Forgotten Seasons on Instagram and Twitter and visit truthplusmedia.com for more in-depth looks at these amazing stories from NBA history. And stay tuned. There's more Forgotten Seasons on the way.